Thank you for joining us as we bring you this worship service of 7th Avenue Presbyterian Church. Our readings this morning are from Exodus chapter 17 verses 1 through 7 and the Gospel of Matthew chapter 21 verses 23 through 32. Dr. Lisa Fulham is preaching this morning. Her sermon is titled, All In. You'll find the link to our complete announcements in your email. Here are a couple of highlights. A reminder that today we will be having Zoom social hour at 11 a.m. We look forward to seeing you there. Next Sunday, October 4th, is World Communion Sunday, and we will be having a live worship service via Zoom at 10 a.m. that day. We invite you to have elements for communion. A recorded version of worship will be made available on SoundCloud by Monday the 5th. For those of you who are interested, there will be a bread baking hangout also on Zoom Saturday the 3rd at 2 p.m. So if you're baking bread for communion on that Sunday, you are invited to stop by virtually and connect during whatever baking stage you might be in Saturday afternoon. And also in preparation for World Communion Sunday, the Presbyterian Church is sponsoring the Peace and Global Witness Offering, which promotes peace and justice. Three quarters of the offering will go to support regions of the world affected by disease, war, and famine. 7th Avenue's Leadership Council has decided to devote the remaining quarter to refugee resettlement in the Bay Area via Jewish Family Community Services. If you'd like to contribute electronically or by check, please indicate peacemaking offering in the memo line. For our complete announcements, click the related hyperlink in your email. And now, in preparation to worship, you are invited to quiet yourself, becoming still, as you prepare to worship God. In our resistance, God is patient with us. In our struggle, God encourages us. As we seek the peace of God's presence, we gather. We gather to worship the God of compassion and joy, the God of consolation and love. Let us worship God. Yes, alleluia, amen. Oh, God, you 
Let us pray. God of grace, you speak to us with authority and compassion, guiding us in your way. For the times we recognize and respond to your voice, we give you thanks. When we fail to pay attention to your power within us, forgive us. Open our ears, touch our hearts, and draw us closer to you. Now in silence, we continue our prayers to you. God knows the full possibilities of our lives and speaks with authority to open us to newness. Believe the good news. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven and made whole. Yes, so be it. Amen. A reading from Exodus, the 17th chapter, verses 1 through 7. In preparation to hear these words, let us pray. Loving God, as we listen to these ancient words, may we be open to hear their meaning for us this day. Amen. From the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages as God commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test God? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to God, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. God said to Moses, Go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it so that the people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the place Massah and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and tested God, saying, Is God among us or not? Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God.
reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21, beginning with verse 23. Listen for the word of God. When Jesus entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things, and who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them, I will also ask you one question. If you tell me the answer, then I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. Did the baptism of John come from heaven, or was it of human origin? And they argued with one another, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Why then did you not believe him? But if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the crowd, for all regard John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. He answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. The father went to the second son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, The first. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the sovereignty of God ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. Here ends the reading. Hello. I'm delighted to be back at 7th Avenue Presbyterian Church. Thank you so much for your kind invitation. I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro about 10 years ago. Among my memories of that glorious experience was a single step along the way. Most of Keeley is a mild to middling difficult hike, and you start off in a rainforest and you wind up atop a glacier. There's none of that dramatic stuff like on Everest involving ice axes and other mountaineering gear. But I remember one step, maybe two-thirds of the way up the mountain. I was to step from the gravel path onto a smooth round rock, and then another step to the path on the other side. It wasn't wet or tricky. It wasn't especially narrow. To my right was a steep mountain face, but I looked to my left and saw that if I missed the step or slipped, it was a long and unpleasant fall. Now, you know how this story ends since I'm talking to you now. 
And to take that step it wasn't particularly remarkable in itself. It wasn't particularly difficult. But as I stepped off into that one step, I knew I was all in. There are many moments in our lives when we are at an all-in moment. Jumping off the high dive at the pool for the first time. As you step off, you know you're all in. Making marriage vows into an unknown future. All futures are unknown, after all. That, that I do could as easily be an I'm all in. Taking a new job in a different city. Hearing a diagnosis that will affect your life going forward. One takes a deep breath, an all-in moment. All-in moments are fairly few in life, but memorable. All-in moments are about direction and commitment. You face forward and you go forward. People who ride hunter-jumper horses sailing over six-foot-high fences at a gallop, they, they say the rider should throw your heart over the fence and the horse will follow. Hesitant riders get thrown off more often than all-in riders because horses sense reluctance. And if the rider's reluctant, why should the horse jump? All-in moments reveal aspects of who we are because they require us to make a declaration, like a better at a blackjack table asking for another card. Today's readings bring us both a challenge and some good news regarding the all-in moments in our relationship with God and with each other. And they also reveal some common misconceptions about those all-in experience in our lives and that I think are important, maybe especially now in COVID times. Our first reading finds the Israelites in the desert after their daring escape from Egypt. God parted the Red Sea just long enough to let them through and Pharaoh's armies were destroyed and that was great. But that was weeks ago. Wandering in the desert is hard and unpleasant. The first test came at the waters of Marah, just a few days after the Red Sea. The water at Marah was undrinkable, and the people began to wonder if God had set them up, had sent them out to the desert to die. At Marah, God promised the people that if they do their part, God would not do to them what had been done to the Egyptians. The second test was hunger, a couple weeks out from the Red Sea. The people, not surprisingly, were hungry. God provides manna. A folk etymology says the word is from the Hebrew mahu, or what is it? Manna is thought to be a substance that oozes from lice that infest the tamarisk tree. The Bedouins call it man. But if manna isn't enough, God provides tasty quails as well. But in today's text, water is the issue again. There isn't any. The people complained to Moses, why did you bring us out of Egypt? To kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? Moses complains to God, what shall I do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. God sending Moses to strike the rock to produce water solves the problem. Now, we're often told that this series of stories is God testing the people, but I think that's backwards. In fact, the people are testing God. Fleeing from Egypt in the first place meant that the Israelites were all in. But was God? Remember the Garden of Eden? 
the Israelites had reason to wonder. Would there be another catastrophic judgment like the eviction of Adam and Eve from the home God made for them? Remember the flood? Would there be another catastrophe like the flood that killed nearly everybody? Is God, in fact, all in? In all three tests, God steps up to help out the Israelites, showing that God is all in with humankind. God is clearly learning, too, in doing better than in some earlier stories. God repented of the flood, promised to do better, and clearly is trying harder. I think this story tells us a couple things about being all in. First, it's okay to grumble, to doubt, to complain, even when God is the recipient of grumbling, doubting, and complaining. Indeed, any relationship in which grumbling, doubting, and complaining is off-limits is not an all-in relationship. Such grumbly statements, no less than reassurances of love and commitment, are markers of truthful communication, which is essential for a relationship to grow. Second, it shows us something about the virtue of going all in. The person who goes all in is best described in terms of the virtue of confidence, not the head up, shoulders back confidence of a job interview, but a stealing of a spine. The scriptural gird your loins, if we imagine it to be gender inclusive, gets at the same idea. Like David in front of any Goliath, and some Goliaths are as big as wildfires, and others are as small as the COVID virus. We stand ready to proceed. This is who I am, confidence declares. And we face forward, recommit, and go forward. All confidence is self-confidence, sure, but unlike common images of confidence, in fact, we never do this alone. Horse and rider together go over the jump. The word confidence is derived from the Latin for with trust or with faith. It also means trust with or faith with. You're standing on the high dive alone, but there are people you've seen go before you, and there's a line behind you of people urging you to get on with it. A commitment to a life partner is often made in the presence of a group of people who pledge their support, and always God shows up bidden or unbidden, when people promise themselves to each other. God can't resist that sort of party, being a community of Trinity to start with. The Israelites had God, but also each other, the community that called on God to be God by complaining. They had Moses, who spoke with God face to face like a friend. So Moses and God had influence on each other. Israel and Moses and Aaron and Miriam and God are en route to the promised land together. As I climbed Kilimanjaro and took that one step, one of the climbers ahead of me stuck out a, a hiking pole for me to grab if I wanted to. It, it wouldn't have stopped me from falling, but it was a help in case I lost my balance. And it was from a friend in whom I had confidence. So this virtue of confidence is personal, but also mutual. It constructs communities ranging from teams like horse and rider to larger groups like Israel in the desert to worldwide communities like the reign of God. Today's gospel is also about what it means to be all in. 
The first part's no surprise. The chief priests and the elders asked Jesus where he gets his authority. Jesus asked back where John the Baptist got his authority, and they can't decide. They're not all in with Jesus because they're afraid they'll be revealed as hypocritical for not following Jesus. They're not all in to deny Jesus' authority because they're afraid of the crowd. So they just stand there, frozen in place, unable to declare themselves. No confidence. So then we hear the first of three parables about judgment, the story of the two sons. One son immediately says, he's not going to do as his father asks, but then he does. The other son says immediately that he'll do as his father asks, but then does not. The message is clear. The chief priests and the elders are public religious leaders and should be expected to not just agree to do the righteous thing, but then to actually do it. Jesus' followers, the uneducated, riffraff, outcasts, seem to have said no to religious authority, but in fact are coming around to the message that God is in fact sending about Jesus and John before him. Jesus says to the leaders, tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God before you. They are, he might have said, all in. Here again, there's a message about what it means to be all in. Do-overs are fine, as long as you're going in the right direction. The rebellious son did decide to be all in for his dad. Tax collectors and prostitutes, even if they seem to be out of step with righteous living, are in fact now all in with Jesus and the coming kingdom. Further, when they met Jesus, they were ready to go. They were all in and on the road. Like little Zacchaeus, the tax collector, their being all in with Jesus was put into action. Zacchaeus repaid what he'd taken unjustly. The fishermen put down their nets and went. The prostitutes were leaders in the new movement. They weren't frozen like the elders. They were already in motion. In Ignatian spirituality, we talk about availability as the goal. Ignatius wrote over and over again, we must stand as with one foot raised to respond to how we discern God to be calling us. One virtue that drives availability is confidence, even if we're on a do-over. Ignatius himself, after all, was on a do-over from being a womanizing bar fighter to being a spiritual leader. So today's readings, the Israelites in the desert, Jesus insulting the chief priests and the elders, invite us to re-examine what it means to be all in. The all-in moments of our lives reveal and construct character and can help us to be people of this holy confidence. It's a communal thing, not a private or individual matter. We get do-overs like the Israelites wandering in the desert. It's about our direction and our goal, even if we grumble and wander a little along the way. It is availability that enables us to be people of action when action is needed as we stand, as with one foot raised. And here we are in COVID times, in wildfire times, and facing an election that will be extraordinarily consequential. How might we apply this notion of being all in to our lives now? Well, for one thing, as we shelter in place, we are literally all in our homes and neighborhoods way more than before. To be all in doesn't mean we can't grumble 
when we feel like it, at other people or at God, because that's part of being an all in an all-in relationship. It's not the only part, but it's part, for sure. Being kind when those we shelter with are grumbly is also a great way to be all-in. We also do well to remember the communities we are building now, the online and virtual companions that we are all in with. How can we hold out a hiking pole to steady them for that one step, or them for us? To be all in, that means like, means that like when we get to the top of that first roller coaster hill, we take a deep breath and get ready for whatever the drops and twists and turns will bring to us, because we just can't know for sure. We get do-overs if we need. It's not too late to ask ourselves who we want to have become at the end of this trip. After all, the fierce character of the Israelites was forged in the desert, not by their previous hard labor in Egypt. To be all in is about direction and commitment, and we're invited to devote ourselves in whatever way makes sense for us. Registering voters, keeping an eye on how we can help out the victims of fires, being a voice for the common good as our overarching guide in facing the pandemic. God grew into his role accompanying Israel in the desert. We'll grow into ours too, more and more. Remember, whatever we throw our hearts over, we can sail over together. We can have confidence in that. Amen. We believe in God, who dwells within us by the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe in Christ, who empowers us to proclaim God's love. We believe in Spirit, who bestows us with the authority to speak truth to transform the world. This we believe. Amen.
Let us pray. God of love, you know our hearts, the fear, the sorrow, the strength, the trust. In these days of uncertainty, hold us close. Help us to believe in one another. Help us to imagine the sun will rise again, that the future is still worth our dreaming. For the gift of the all-in moments of our lives, those moments when we faced the unknown, those moments that required more than we thought possible and offered perspective, transformation, and holy confidence, we give you thanks. As we approach the election, as we grieve the death of a woman in whom we could safely put our trust, as we live through changes in our culture and on our planet, be with us as we throw our hearts over the challenges in front of us, that together we will make it to the other side stronger, more connected, with increased willingness to show up for one another. We pray for all those who are afraid, all those who are angry, all those with whom we agree, and for those whose views and actions cause our hearts to hurt. Enfold us in your gentle love that we might see and embrace our being human. And now in silence, we continue in prayer to you. We make this prayer in the name of the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our God, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Do not lose heart, do not lose heart, put your trust. 
It is not too late to ask ourselves who we want to be at the end of this trip. In the face of an unknown future, we are charged to remember. Whatever we throw our hearts over, we can sail over together. grace of God who created you in love, the peace of Christ who teaches it is possible to be love, and the power of the Spirit who calls you ever forward into new experiences of love be and abide with you this day, this week, and evermore. Amen. <laughs>